Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the podcast. Unfortunately, between the time of recording and the time of editing, I had a data loss on my laptop and I lost most of my files. I was able to recover the audio, however, there was some damage done to the file, so if there is a moment where um, the dialogue cuts out or jumps forward and it's a little confusing, that's all that is. It's just that data loss, so... Uh, we really liked the episode, and we really liked the game, so we really wanted to put this out, despite the issues. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Okay. Um, should we count it down and start? Sure. Okay. Oh, my cat's in here. Hi, kitty. We never. We still haven't decided on a name yet, have we? Uh, I thought we were going to go with like the Velvet room review oh the velvet room yeah the velvet room review yeah does that sound good yeah sounds good to me okay cool i like it here i'm just gonna kick my cat out <laughs> okay kitty you gotta go sorry simba hello everyone and welcome to the velvet view eh, i messed it up graham <laughs> all right let's start that again <laughs> Oh boy. Alright. Hello everyone and welcome to the Velvet Room Review. I'm Matthew here with... I'm Graham. And tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, we're going to be talking about Grim Fandango Remastered <laughs> for the PlayStation 4 slash PlayStation Vita. <laughs> so Graham, uh, what did you think of Grim Fandango? Um, on the whole, I quite enjoyed it. Um... Like I played it, I played it like half on the Vita and half on the PS4. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I really had to use a guide in the first and second areas. Okay. And then I got through the third and fourth areas almost without using a guide. That's that's impressive. I felt like the, I felt for me the opposite was true. Um, it it was interesting because like, um, so for those who haven't played the game. The game is basically split into four years, so four sections, really. Four parts. Um, and I felt like year two was probably the weakest year, but I felt like I probably I, I didn't necessarily need a guy to do it. It's just that there were so many moving components, I was I didn't know what to do first. Um, with something like year three, which I was actually one of my more favorite years, I felt really cheaped out because very often you would need to use the scythe for something that I wouldn't know what to do with. And there's one particular part that we can maybe talk about later. Do you want to maybe go by like year by year to see what we thought? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, year one, uh, you start as basically a salesman in the, what's called the department of death in, in the land of the dead, in the land of the dead. So every, every character is, um, somebody in like the journey to the afterlife. Which um, it's based off, I think, yeah, as like the Aztec. Aztec, I think. Yeah. Um, so everyone's got skeletons. That's their design. There's there's also <laughs> demons as well. You have one uh, one of the best characters in the game. Oh yes. His name is Glottis, and he's a demon, and his only goal is to drive, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, but he's like this big orange, like kind of dinosaur-looking guy. Um, so yeah, and basically the concept is. There's this whole other society living in between life and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And, and he uh, works. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he works as a salesman, try, selling people uh, various travel packages to get through the land of the dead, based on how 
uh, how good they were in their previous life. Mm-hmm. And the the central plot of this, the like the central hook of the story is that um, they've there's been some people who have been swindling people out of their deserved trips, mm-hmm. and he kind of in a way joins a rebellion to try to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, because Manny's basically trying to work off his time so that he can get into the afterlife. It's I think it's implied basically that like he wasn't necessarily the greatest guy, so he's kind of stuck working to to pay for a better ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically he's kind of getting the rough end of the stick with all the all the bad clients, even though um, some of them don't seem that bad. They get like the worst package because they're as if they're the worst person. So the first year, the opening starts off, and you basically have to <laughs> get to the poisoning, which was really uh, <laughs> just so so surreal how they how they talked about <laughs> just a poisoning in a diner, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the opening plot, and the gameplay well, is pretty much when um, he meets the woman. Uh, or did I already? I think I already said that. Are you talking about Eva or Meche? Uh, Meche. Yeah. Um, right. So after after he gets another um, client from the poisoning, who's a very poor client, he steals a client from his coworker, who's always getting all the good clients. Who I think wasn't she basically like a nun or something? In, basically. In the in the real world, and he discovers. Wait a minute. I. You should be get you should be getting the highest package available, but for some reason you're not. And the the issue is kind of exposed, and Manny has to go. Manny Calvera is the name of the main character. He has to basically go underground because um, he was not able he wasn't able to physically give her the highest package, and she left for some reason. Did she leave because she felt bad? I don't really remember. I think she felt bad for Manny. Yeah, yeah, because basically, if people don't qualify for the extra high package, they have to walk for four years through the land of the dead to reach the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So Manny then sits out to find her, um, and that kind of leads to the rest of the game. Um, so for an opening, I felt like the opening was was pretty strong. Um, I felt like it was a good mix of okay, there's a limited amount of areas but there's enough characters and items to talk to that I can maybe play around with it a little bit. It wasn't too easy for me to figure out, okay, this unlocks B, B does C type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also liked how you would go to one area and then clearly not be able to um, proceed until you've done something else. So like the reusing of, of areas to make the content seem a little larger was nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I felt that um, like it was a strong opening. Yeah, at least from a, a, like the story perspective and all that. But I found I just remember having a lot of trouble with some of the puzzles. Um, <laughs> what? Well, um, just the like asking for the dead worm f- for the balloon. Oh that yeah, yeah. Re- like exhausting all the options didn't really occur to me at that point when I was mm-hmm. playing it. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point I, I thought I had solved the puzzle with the 
the the mail machine. Oh yes. And yep. I was getting really confused as to why, because I knew that the guy was supposed to show up because I was following a guide at that point. Um, and I couldn't understand why he wouldn't. And then I realized that I had put the bread into the pipe. Yes. Instead of instead of the the gel stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just got hung up a lot. Although there were a lot of funny moments. Yeah, and like I, the thing I liked about about that though, like even though like, because I don't think the bread had actually any purpose for the mail machine. No. I like that you could put the bread in the mail machine, and they put the time. Like the first thing I did was put the bread down to try and like draw them away, but they just come and eat your bread, and then they go away. So it's like okay, clearly, like I can use this bread for multiple things, but I'm not using it in the right context. Mm-hmm. But um, I agree with you with like the balloon aspect. Like knowing to ask for a dead worm is the least <laughs> interesting. Well, and also I thought it was going to be something like other adventure games where you can only have one of them. Mm. I, I guess I just didn't try them all, but I figured, oh, you would only be able to have one balloon at a time. Mm-hmm. But I guess you could have had all of them. I feel like the game would have really benefited from being a modern gamer where games kind of give everything to you super easy. But there was a lot of times... Um, I wouldn't really know what I'm supposed to be doing or what order I'm supposed to be doing it in. And the order's not really the, the big part, but, like, having an objective, like, hey, this, even, like, a, how am I going to scare those pigeons away? Like, what if I had come back, left the game and come back, like, a week later and I didn't know what I was doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, th- that could e- very easily happen. So I feel like a re- remastering would have been a, been a good time to do that, but... I mean, maybe they were trying to protect the the essence of the game from its original form, which is also fine. But yeah, there were other games like around that because uh, I used to play adventure games growing up, mm-hmm. like Freddy Fish and Pajama Fred- Sam. Those Freddy <laughs> Fish. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, this game was made by uh, or one of the directors on it was Tim Schafer and he mm-hmm. has done quite a number. Well, he was pretty much the guy back in the day for uh, adventure games mm-hmm. like, um, secret of monkey Island, um, make a couple of sequels to that, uh, day of the tentacle, other games he's made recently. The ones I once I recognize at least, um, psychonauts was pretty uh, popular and brutal legend was also pretty popular as well. I think it was pretty much like the end of, <laughs> that era of video games. Yeah, in in my opinion. Well, I mean, my opinion. What it seems to me, um, as far as that that model of gameplay, that it wasn't really, it's not really point and click, really. I guess it could have been on the computer, but we're playing on the Vita, so it's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I also played it a little bit on the computer. Oh, okay. Um, and you could do the, the point and click, like, um, we know, I don't know if you ever tried, but like on the Vita, you can just tap on the screen. Um, I think I've tapped on the screen, but not for like anything in the actual foreground or in the actual game itself. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Or where if you touch down and hold, you can actually see what objects you can interact with. Are you kidding me? That was gonna be my next point. <laughs> that's a, that's like revolutionary. 
Because, <laughs> like, my biggest issue with the game is that you don't know what's interactable and what's not. The only... This I, find, I actually found to be quite genius, is that the only indication that you really get is Manny's head will uh, sometimes yes. will look down or look up, and that's your signal to, oh, there's something I can interact with here. But to have that system, I didn't even know that existed. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. No, I first noticed uh, Manny's head doing that, like, halfway through the game to kind of get a hint of where I was going to go next. Mm -hmm. And then I would go there, and I would be like, okay, well, I have no idea what I need to do with the... (laughs) uh, Like, the the random items that you get. Well, like, for example... At, there, there's one portion where you pick up a bad guy's like cigarette case mm-hmm. and then you need to take it to an area which you've already been and collected an item from and then uh, go back there, follow the same sequence of events that you did to get the original item f- for that character to, to blow up that item and you get the item inside that item so like, I don't know how anybody could have figured that out other than just sheer madness of going back everywhere to, like, without a guide, you know what I mean? Because because there's no no way to know how to do that. Because the character, for example, she literally thinks it's a bomb and blows... They got a lot better with that in the later years. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. In kind of telegraphing what you needed to do with each character. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, For year three... Um, it was, it was actually an issue I had with year two was that it felt like it really just kind of jumped away from the main plot and like it didn't yeah. really bring up any of the antagonists, um, what the antagonists were doing. It was just kind of like, here's what you need to do to get to year three. I mean, it was, they literally gave you like a checklist of things you need to collect and there wasn't much exposition in the plot. Mm-hmm. Year three and year four is where it really happens. Um, so that's probably why I preferred those years more than others. But one thing that really stood out in my brain for year three, just being like really frustrating if you didn't have a guide, is the the safe puzzle where you're trying to open the, the tumblers. Do you remember that when you had to spin the wheel and match and oh, find the tumblers? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I had, <laughs> Go ahead. Like, how would you think of using the scythe? There? Bingo. Bingo, because that would lead me to utter frustration. I'm just like, okay, I've lined it up, and I did it at least three or four times before so I oh, said, yeah, right, same. I'm doing something wrong here. And to, so basically, you have to line up the tumblers just right, but then you have to take out your scythe, which is an item you have. It's the only item you have for the entire okay. game. Um, you use it once in year one. I don't recall using it much in year two. Uh, maybe, no, you do. But anyways, it it can be used sometimes. It's not used others. In year three, I feel like it was used all over the place. But I don't know how they would, how anyone would think, I got to take my scythe out to then lock the tumblers into place to open the door. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. And there's no, like, in-game hint system for the character to be like, hmm, maybe I need to jam something in there. Or, hmm, uh, there's got to be another way to do that other than the fact that you're not progressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I I don't really think the gameplay is... Necess- Why you play it? Correct. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that was their goal or design either. I thought they were just trying to make... Um, 
I mean, a, a beautiful artistic game with witty dialogue and, I mean, really good dialogue for a, a game from the 90s where, like, voice acting was, like, horrendously bad. Like, this came out the same time as, like, Resident Evil, right? And the acting Wow, that's kind of funny to think. Right? Like, the acting differences are, are insane. So I think, like, the Manny's voice actor was great. Mm-hmm. And he's just, a, like, a likable character. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about the overall story? Overall story? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I can't really remember... <laughs> like, like I, sorry, I remember the story. I just don't really remember what the deal was with the tickets. Okay, this is actually one of my biggest gripes with the story. So, basically, what's happening is they are the bad guy, who's like this kind of this mob boss, it, decent people of their tickets, but then he's. See, when they first presented, it's like, okay, they're robbing their tickets, and they're selling those tickets to rich people in the land of the dead for profit. Yeah. And that, to me, makes perfect sense. And there's this great moment in year four when you see a train full of these people come by who have purchased their tickets. And right before they get to heaven, there's this guardian there that gives them, like, the thumbs down, and they all go to hell. And the guardians, you are. And I thought that was a really good kind of moral behind these characters who maybe they are unknowingly and paying for and having them pay for it also i thought that was really interesting but then it's revealed that what they're actually doing is they're stealing those the tickets then making counterfeit tickets and selling the counterfeit tickets instead so i'm not sure if that's supposed to imply that the reason they all went to hell is because the tickets were fake or because they were just bad in the first place and then it's revealed at the very end, or almost near the very end, that the main bad guy, the mob boss, is just trying to hoard as many tickets as possible, so that he can, because he, so, so that he can go to heaven, because that's how bad he is, which leads me to the question: Wait a minute, would that have worked? Like, is that how that works? You just get enough. Like it was, but I just felt like, like they put. They try to put a twist in there that really made no sense, getting all the good good clients. And he's kind of like, I wouldn't really call him like evil, but he's kind of just kind of like, he's abusing his power and, and yeah. willing to do that. And he kind of likes you. Like he doesn't, he's not a huge jerk to you. He's like, I, he, tr- he trusts you. He knows you're capable. And like, I thought that was kind of interesting. And it was it was fun to, to see the relationship between them kind of grow and conclude the thing with the main villain is he does one bad thing at the beginning of year one and you don't see him do anything else bad pretty much till the end of the game so you're mm-hmm. we're not really given a reason to dislike him or fear him no or... we really don't have any connection to him whatsoever yeah um aside from like his relationship to meche kind of did he have a relationship to meche well like uh no not even i yeah. guess because it's more of manny's relationship with like the revolutionaries right yeah so i i i don't know i felt like it, it at the start of year four everything kind of made sense you know 
they're just they're stealing the tickets they're selling them but they don't know that they're selling them for no reason because it doesn't work and i thought like that's really interesting like what if man you could like expose this right and then the whole you know the whole extortion racket or the whole scam would fall apart because a we're buying tickets that don't work but they're knowingly yeah it just yeah and know. then like once you beat the boss the game just kind of ends yeah there's, yeah there's not there's really not, there's not really a lot of like wrap up mm-hmm. so yeah honestly i think the the thing that really drove the playing of the game for me uh was being able to meet all these interesting characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like um like glottis like every every time that he was in the scene was just fantastic. It was great. I love I love when he's just sitting in the bone wagon and he's just like <laughs> Oh, it was good. He's just he's just like he's basically like a five year old kid, but in a yeah. demon an orange dinosaur demon body. Which is super cute. I always felt good when Gladys was around. Yeah. Um, yeah, there. Were, I I really enjoyed, um, like the art style. I mean, it's a very artistic game. I loved the. There were a couple of references to like poetry, and I really enjoyed that. I don't when know you if you pigeons. It's Robert Robert Frost. That was the good one. Um, I don't know if you, when you went to the um, the the uh, blue casket, I think it was maybe blue crystal. Blue casket. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think. Did you did you cycle through all of her poem options? Um, I think so. Yeah. Well, the last one she does is a really somber, kind of like a love poem, where it references oh, the name of the I don't game. Think I have. Okay. No, maybe I can't remember. Uh, look, I I thought it was pretty neat. It like bring it. It literally says like, we're in this grim fandango, like this dance where, basically, you know, we're shadows of our former selves and we're stuck here for the next couple of years and it's kind of sad and and remorseful. I thought it was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that's in year two and then also in year two um, when you're next to the captain you can kind of like look up at, look up at the moon and Manny starts to recite a poem and then the captain joins in to kind of recite this another somber poem together I think it's a quote of something but um, that's pretty cool it was pretty yeah I liked it a lot it's like oh that's kind of nice how they, they took the time to put a little bit of art and culture in there that you know, is beyond the, you know, the design of the game. So, one one fun thing you could do at the Blue Casket was you can go up to the mic and start your own poem. Yeah. So, I just, I did that. I just kept going and going and going. And it was a lot of fun. I went on for, like, at least two minutes. And then um, there's a trophy in the game where you can get that lady who reads the poems to copy your poem. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back to her, and then she copied my two-minute-long poem. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome that they put the time in to record all these different dialogue options, and then for both characters to just give it a little bit of a, a little bit of a goof. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of care put into the game. Oh, certainly. Even like little things like where Manny um, is going down the stairs, he like slides down the rail. I love that. <laughs> Just they have a lot like of character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I would definitely recommend it. Um, 
I mean, I would say that there's no shame in using a guide. Oh no, not not at all. Um, well, some people might say there is, but I mean, like, <laughs> I, you, even if you use it just as a hint system, which is mostly what I did, mm-hmm. like, okay, I've got the something rather, so I need to head to this area. I might not know what I need to do there, but like, just just as a hint system. Yeah. To know when you're done with something or know what that item is or where that item needs to be used for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, for a 20-year-old game, it's... It holds up, up pretty well. It holds up very, very well. And, um... A 20-year-old early 3D game. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the nice thing was, like, I don't know if you switch between, like, the remastered and the... And the original graphics. It's just the graphics are so stylized, especially the character design. Outside of maybe Gladys and the other demons, where it's like, this game looks like a uh, like a game that could come out today that's retro based. You know what I mean? It's it's not like hideous remaster graphics. It's like this game looks fine remastered or not, just because of the design of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like Gladys has that it's like early 3d like kind of polygonal effect where he's got like you know triangle cheeks and stuff like that um kind of like i don't know what would be a good like maybe like mario 64 some of the bad guys on that but even say like final fantasy 7 kind of thing i never played but i'll take your word for it (laughs) i i've only played a little bit of it but the models are very chunky yeah i mean that's but that was the that was the way it worked at the time but um like each and every, uh, you know, um, skeleton character looks great. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely... I'm glad that I kind of powered through it. Yeah, yeah. I felt like year two was a big drag for me, but then uh, I, I'm glad as well that I that I pushed through it thanks to a guide and um, followed it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a very, um, it's a strange concept for a game. You know, the story is strange, the design is strange, but it all works together very well. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, to me, like the 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 gold star is just the dialogue. Like the characters are great, but the di- the dialogue they wrote for the characters and and the performance of the voice actors really uh drove the characters home and made them feel like you know actual characters yeah yeah i mean i feel like my least favorite character was probably meche but uh i don't know i feel like she really had much to do other than just be a love interest but yeah yeah she just kind of she was the object that drew like drove the plot forward Pretty much, yeah. It drove Manny away from El El Mero, which is like the starting town. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it was good. Um, one thing I, I thought was kind of strange, you know, when at the end of your or the beginning of year four, Gladys is kind of getting sick because he hasn't been near machinery, he hasn't been driving, which is like what he was born to do, because mm-hmm. he's been with Manny so long. And he's walking with him and protecting him. He's been away from his true desires. 
and is basically dying because of it. So you have to, like, take him on a train all the way back to get the bone wagon, which is, like, this hot rod that um, Gladys had, like, souped up. But I, I, I guess they kind of cover it, but, like, he went from, like, being on his deathbed to being perfectly fine in between the trip. Which mm-hmm. I found to be a little interesting because it, it was like it, it implied that the bone wagon was the only thing that could save him, but then he's fine once you get to the bone wagon before you get to the bone wagon even. So I think it was more of like the speed. He needed to be oh, okay. going somewhere fast. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense then. But hmm. Oh, Gladys. He was good. He was good. So. If you could rate it, what would you rate it? All right, you can rate it. So what would you rate it? It would be like, this might sound low, but like a six. That is, that's pretty low, my friend. You uh... like it's a six seven for me, just because yeah. like it well, was a bit of a slog to get through the gameplay. Yeah, I mean a six and a seven is like this is a good game, right? That's it, like a six is still a like a, it's still a good it's a pass. game. It just has. You have to be aware of what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about for you, though? Um. You know what? Nothing. What were I, you originally gonna go with? I was gonna go with somewhere like an eight. Okay. <laughs> um. Just if because... it's an eight in your mo- your books, then that's fine. Yeah, but I, I maybe I'm looking at that through like rose-colored glasses because I'm thinking of all the highlights of the game, of like the poetry and and the design, the dialogue. There's this one scene um, that's really easily missable, unfortunately, but where um, Gladys sings this wonderful song called um, Oh Rusty Anchor. You should look it up. It's great. But just like... When does he say that? Year two. You have to like do things sort of out of order in order to get him to sing it, which is why a lot of people miss it. Okay. Um, Yeah, it was a trophy, and I was going for all the trophies in one game, so that's why I knew it was coming. (laughs) But uh, it, it was really good. I would definitely recommend you uh, if you look it up. Um, yeah, it's called Oh Rusty Anchor. And it's just this fun little song that he sings. And like stuff like that just kind of make the game stand out a little bit more in my mind. And kind of... I've forgotten all the mon- the monotony of, of the puzzles and just remember the good stuff. So that's, that's why good. I would say it's an 8. But... Um, it also, like, aside from year two, it doesn't really overstate its welcome either. It kind of gets to the point um, in a in a, a fair way. So um, if I were to recommend, I would definitely say probably play it on the Vita. Um, because the game doesn't have autosave, just being able to, all right, I'm, tur- I'm powering down the Vita or just, like, turning it to sleep means you can just jump right back in. When anytime mm-hmm. you want, you don't need to worry about saving, which is really nice. As contrast to like PlayStation 4, where if you're not used to that, then you could very easily quit without saving and poop yourself. Oh yeah, because yeah. it, it doesn't use an auto save. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then the Vita, you can also do the like, you can use it like it's a mouse too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, oh, you know what? I just thought of something. I don't know about you, Graham, but there were countless times when I was playing the game, where Manny would be walking in one direction, and then out of nowhere just, like, like turn, or go sideways, or go up a set of stairs that I didn't want him to. It was mm-hmm. very frustrating. 
I can honestly see why, like the the game originally came out with tank style controls. That's what I was playing it as. <laughs> you were? Yeah, there's a trophy for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... so that's interesting because I had the same issue, but I thought when I was playing, I was thinking, oh, if I was playing it with a tank style controls, this would probably be alleviated because you're just always running forward. Nope. So <sighs> I found it most happened when I was going downstairs or going upstairs like i would be i would be pressing the correct button walking and then i would start to run and he would run down the stairs turn around and then like run back up the stairs that's weird i also had a lot of times where like i would walk in i would leave one area and enter the next and then he would like either instantly like turn around because i was pushing up or something like that or walk out of it like the transition while moving never really worked very well i found between areas yeah aside from that there were a couple of of transition points that were hard to see because like you wouldn't you would example there's like a doorway you would go through the doorway and you could no longer see manny but it didn't transition to the next scene yet because you hadn't walked far enough so if you like lost track of where you were like i found myself trying to spin and walk oh. a bunch and, and not getting anywhere. Like, that happened a few times. Again, nitpicky stuff, but, I mean, yeah. So, tank controls, same problem. <laughs> okay. Well, then I would probably recommend not using tank controls, unless you're going for the achievement. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't find the tank controls to be... It was really jarring at first, because basically tank controls, you can... You can turn your body with the right or left on the D-pad, and then up moves you up, back or down moves you back. And mm-hmm. you could still run, so I found running to be the best option, because like, I felt like running, you could do a little bit of both. Um, it was much, much, much easier on the PS4, because the joystick alleviates pretty much the tank controls issue, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it wasn't... After you get used to it, it's really not that bad, so... And if you're on the Vita, you can actually double tap on where you want to go, and he'll just run there. That is awesome. So mm-hmm. one thing, I actually, I don't know, I, I might go back to the game and try it over again. They have something really cool. Uh, they have a director's commentary in the remastered version. Oh, yeah. Which I think would be really interesting to, to go back and just turn on for a little bit and see what they have to say. Because it's a feature that I really enjoy in like, movies and DVDs and whatnot. That really doesn't get done in games a lot. So it'd be cool to just try that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Grim Fandango. Yeah. Play it. Play it. Yeah, it's worth a play. It is definitely. Yeah. And we'll be back sometime soon with a discussion about something else. 